Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice for the most interesting people. Whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nixon, content producer for Label Sessions. And in this episode, Ian Montgomery and Nick Sherrod of Label Sessions talk about the upcoming World Passenger Festival in Vienna, walking you through their expectations and what they're looking forward to most in the world of mobility. Let's hear it. It's excellent. Like, start. So, uh, Ian, you went to the World Passenger Festival last year. I was actually there. I was there as well in a different capacity. So, but last year was your first time at World Passenger Festival? First and time. As far as I know, it was the first event. I don't know. But, yeah. Oh, really? Well, you know, so nothing, nothing happens before you turn up. That's, that's, uh, that's true. And it was in Amsterdam last time. There's so lots of different things to it. But I guess, what did you, how did you find the World Passenger Festival as a newbie? last year uh it's actually a really refreshing event so last year i've been to InnoTrans, which is like gigantic 26 conference halls in a railway yard all about trains and it's so nerdy there's like uh, they literally have a, a hole just for railway sleepers and then another hole just for lubricants and another hole for adhesives and it's it's a bit boring um so like well passenger festival is actually really interesting because everything is actually designed around the people who are riding the train or the bus or the plane or whatever it might be which is like shouldn't sounds like common sense but not many people talk about it um so it's really good for that and then as an event it's quite interesting because you get lots of very small and short talks so you get like 15 minutes on someone talking about loyalty 15 minutes someone talking about ticketing 15 minutes someone talking about applications of 5g and stations or whatever it might be and it's lovely because you get this sort of bombardment of all these different interesting things and then you can go grab the speakers and talk to them more in depth about it. So as an event, it's really, really nice for that. Almost to the point where you, you plan your little schedule out and then you kind of need a clone of you because you want to go to this thing about ticketing but someone else is doing things, something around like um, a new train that's been launched and you can't go to both. So um, yeah, it's, it's great for like the, the, the variety of it's all focused around actual people as opposed to operations and engineering and that kind of stuff yeah as it was it just last year the venue as well was a lovely old amsterdam building guild hall or something like that but it also meant that lots of the actual talks were kind of down a corridor three left so then you kind of arrive upon a room so at a double level of if you weren't if you didn't have your plan you just felt that like you were in a queue or in a, in a corridor a lot of the time but the, the talks themselves were good but you could just feel like you were in the wrong room almost all the time but th th this time is in a much big bigger venue so I, I guess that will all be a lot a lot easier um it, it isn't just as well so this would be i think one of the things that's interesting is last year in particular i was doing a lot around travel tech and the whole travel industry thing is i'm not sure one if outsiders realize how much of what the travel and broader transport sector talks about is anything to do with passengers at all i think that's because people are passengers they think the industry thinks about them more and secondly, how travel and transport is kind of key to everything. Sustainability, future cities, uh, regional economies. It's kind of funny. Healthcare, that, housing. Yeah, all these things. Uh, access to people with disabilities. It's like it's kind of key to all these things. It's kind of uh, it's, it's a funny thing because it's a sector that's very conscious of its own geekiness. But it's actually key to lots of things that people want to talk about and see as really important. There was a guy last year from a company called Go Ahead, like a Dutch transit operator. But he was talking about how, I think it's in the Netherlands, doctors are prescribing 
train and bus tickets to patients who might have um, obesity challenges, um, like depression, mental health issues, because actually just going out, going to somewhere that is not your home city. So go get a 40 minute train in the Netherlands, go wander around a different town, come home, makes people happier and healthier. And it's cheaper to do that than let the thing turn into a drug prescription. So like, I think these are the things that it's, it's, it's kind of nerdy, but like interesting in the face of this isn't just about getting you from A to B. This is like, yeah. actually how you live your life. And also it's a funny thing because on one level, trains are the sort of quintessential nerdy thing to, to talk about in most settings. But then you have a thing like the Orient Express. I mean, last year, one of the speakers uh, talked about the Orient Express had a really interesting talk and how you create the experience of getting on the Orient Express, especially because there was two different Orient, Orient Express companies that were represented in, in, the, in the event last year. But there is this kind of luxury end to, to travel and to transport as well, which is, I guess, is one of the interesting things of the World Passenger Festival as a, as a, as a conference, because you do have these different worlds in the same building talking about some of the same challenges because it all does come off ticketing and operations and logistics. Uh, but the experiences they create are very different and the kind of framing of the way we think about those brands and those businesses is, is very different. Well, they had the guy from Amtrak last year and he, he sort of did his keynote and it was about how he's maximized the revenue that Amtrak can get for people spending money on trains. Now, trains in America are kind of not great. Amtrak's doing a lot to get better. But he was very proud of our average fare and our average ticket price has gone like it's a huge amount it's like a couple of two three hundred dollars and then afterwards this guy from WeGo, which is like the french operator of high-speed trains in spain goes our tickets start at nine euros and you saw these like two different completely different worlds of getting us getting a high-speed train in spain getting a train in america is so different but like i think that that's the, the world bit of it might sound grand, but actually it's quite important to see how it works in different cultures. Yeah, different cultures and the genuinely very different business models in the room. Because there are, I noticed that last time, there's some people from parts of the world where transport is infrastructure, is kind of funded by the state, they deliver to, and then therefore they've kind of got a real focus on delivering to the sort of government or public objectives like sustainability, future cities. And there's others who are, are commercial entities that happen to deliver or something that has a huge social importance. So it's, it's, it's like one of the, yeah, there's very few conferences I think where you get that level of people doing the exact same thing with entirely different incentives around it on a corporate level. Well, like to, to the, the, the one that really drives that home is last year they had the Ukrainian railways people and they, they basically turned up and talked about operating trains in Ukraine, both to get like goods and things to the front line, but to get people out of Ukraine. But Ukrainian railways have a better on-time record than German railways right now. And it's sort of like, oh, this is genuinely amazing. So like those people are back again. So I'm quite excited for and I'm in, I'm intrigued to see how that story's progressed. So let's turn to this year. Um so it's next week as we record this, probably this week as it goes, this goes out into the in, into the world. Um it's in Vienna this year, different venue, there's a whole new program. Uh what are the things that you are looking forward to most so last year there was a lady from austrian railways or maybe it was the vienna municipal thing but they talked about this like ticketing thing so you can kind of like get on a train in vienna with with your phone and you can swipe to start your journey 
you can think you can go anywhere in the country or anywhere in the city. And when you get finished your journey, whether you've been on a train, a bus, or a bike, you swipe to end the journey. And then overnight, it bills you like the lowest available fare. So I kind of want, like, it's not quite in the conference itself, but that's something that no one else is really doing yet. So going and playing with that will be fun if we can figure out how to make it work. Um, and then just going through the agenda, there's like really interesting things around ticketing. Um, there's quite a lot around connectivity, but we'll probably come to that given our friends at, at Bolvin. Um, I think it's like those kind of sides of the the event is probably what I'm like looking forward to most. There's a couple of topics as well that I think are really interesting because one of the ones that I think is both interesting as a kind of experience business challenge and also was really important to all the things is the talk from the CEO of European Sleeper. And this may not make a lot of sense to people in North America, but uh, in terms of Europe, our countries are all quite small compared to your country, which means that we can travel between them on trains quite simply, but there's a bit of a journey time. And actually it does it. If you actually want to get people off flights, then sleeper trains to me have to be the thing that becomes an experience people hate less and maybe even like. And I actually do quite like sleepers so i'm gonna double i'm gonna double i'm double as a citizen and as an individual i'm quite keen on them on them uh getting that experience working so that think that's on the fourth so wednesday quite early on in the day which is not maybe not good for people who've just been on the sleeper but there is a talk <laughs> on uh on the future of sleepers and also and um, we will talk about the some of the thought leadership that Bolden are doing on this well around this topics around this there's also one on artificial intelligence and how it can be used to make transport safer for vulnerable passengers or also though how that isn't automatic which i think is a really interesting thing because i think uh you know one of the fastest growing groups of people in europe are people with some kind of ability issue whether that's because they're aging or other issues around that and i think it's always been well, firstly, it's always been slightly that's that's a kind of secondary audience. Stations haven't been designed for them. Stations and uh, trains themselves haven't really been designed for them. Uh, but so it's like as a design challenge that's there. But also in terms of uh, making the whole system work, commercially, it's the biggest growth audience. So it's a really interesting area as to how we can harness some of the new tech to make that experience better. We were in a separate event with Bolden last week, like a futurism event, and like accessibility kind of came up as a as a topic. But people often think of accessibility as oh, old person who can't do steps or person in a wheelchair. But they don't think of accessibility as someone who's laden with a lot of shopping bags or mother with um, a stroller with a child in it or person with a bicycle. There's all these things that actually give you an accessibility requirement with the perfectly healthy, um, like normal, able-bodied people. Um, and I think like when you think about it like that, like the accessibility thing, if you design for those people as well as people who have mobility issues, you make it better for everybody. I think people are starting to crack to, to sort of catch on to that in a better way. You always see it whenever you see an architectural model for any kind of city development, they always have these people, like kind of avatars that they put in, and it's always like a couple walking down the street with no bags, perfectly able-bodied. Uh, it's always like this kind of, idea of what people are which is never what real cityscapes look like or real trades look like somehow the thing that people design spaces around I, I watched this thing the other day and it said that you can you can date futurism uh pieces so if it was done in the 80s everything had a monorail if it's done in the 2020s everything is green 
what we'll see in the, like after going into the 2030s is actually like people picking up the accessibility requirement a lot more. So we'll kind of go from Simpsons parody to um, environmental thing to actually useful thing. So I think people are catching on to that. I don't know. Yeah, it's starting to. There's some more, it's starting to, but then it takes a while to sort of translate into a train actually being designed a different way. But it's start, starting to starting to get there. Which is the reason for uh, a lot of the bold and thought leadership. So we should say for people who uh, listen to the podcast and don't know those words, some of you who know the sector might know bold as BAI because they were BAI until last year, two months ago. Uh, now Bolden, but they're a company is a global leader around well various different things, but connectivity, I guess, within within a transport context. Is that the fair fair overview? In yeah, so like they. The, the the simplest and easiest way to explain Bolden is they put Wi-Fi, 5G, phone, connectivity networks in trains, stations, stadiums, trackside networks, places like that. Um, so that they, they put connectivity into places that have traditionally been hard to reach, subway tunnels in New York, for example. Yeah, and they've been using, well, they've been taking that and developing a whole set of thought leadership to spark conversations around things like the future of stations um which we've been supporting them with them on bits of but as things are starting to come into the world and some of it will start to come into the world at the world passenger festival next week um but it's interesting you've already in been working with some of the team to share some of the white paper they did in the future of stations uh with audiences through events and things uh how are you finding people are responding are there any ideas in that that are sparking the most debate or the most thoughts there's an interesting thing of when you talk about i'm doing a thing in stations it immediately sounds a bit dorky and then when people you can get people who really don't care about public transit talking about stations and then suddenly they'll find it really interesting because it impacts cities mobility housing future of work and everything like that so it's really interesting watching people come into it it's also as we put stuff out there, lots of the emboldened white paper, there are lots of things that are just common sense, but while they're common sense, they're not commonly found in the world. There's a lot of analog things that are not immediately linked to connectivity. But when you get everything connected, what you can build on top of it is really genuinely interesting. And then what we're now starting to see is things that we had ideas for in the last 18 months that weren't really out there. Other people, we can tell we're on the right lines because we're seeing them in the real world. So someone we interviewed for the podcast has done QR codes connected to their location that if you want to report an issue with something, passengers can use and it incentivizes them to report something that's gone wrong with a train or in a station. So Southwest Railway has done that really, really well. Um, one of the label mates sent us a thing yesterday um, which was like we're looking at the dynamic wayfinding. So rather than the signs being static or everyone going to do wayfinding on their phone, is there a way that if you know roughly where a lot of people are going to be heading to, can you give like mass customized wayfinding? And um, so in China, there's these street signs that they tilt and move depending on where you want to go. So it's sort of um, really, in so instead of it saying like, oh, the park is 500 meters in that direction, that sign might say, tell you the park is 500 meters, but then a minute later when they know there's people going to a football stadium, the sign will swivel and point in a different direction. Um, so it's really interesting seeing ideas that we've had 
starting to become real, whether they've been done by Bolden or somebody else. Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things. I think for uh, I think it's as the ideas from that white paper start to seed into the outside world, like you start to see how they apply in different ways. Because I think there is this challenge, which is inevitably because it's Bolden and they're a leader in this in this issue of connectivity, and then you see them talk about stations of the future. I think there'll be an assumption for lots of people. I'm conscious even now that I've sent it on to people because just now there's only the white paper. Soon there'll be podcasts and clips and all kinds of things, which will mean that people encounter it more. Just now it's kind of a thing that people have to have this sort of um, seek out. And I think people expect this white paper to be full of lots of kind of high tech departure boards and these kind of things. One of the things that's really interesting, I think, in the, the thought leadership the Bolden are doing is they're kind of saying, there are aspects of the experience of going to stations which currently do not currently work. People get lost a lot. They don't necessarily know the right platform to go to. Uh, the shopping offer is quite limited. And it's quite difficult for people to run shops or stores inside um, inside stations. And actually, there are almost hacks, things we could do in these spaces that would mean those issues were uh, certainly much diminished. And actually... There's versions of, of this kind of station of the future that's genuinely helpful and speaks to things that people would care about if you're a counselor or if you're a retailer or if you work in city branding or big events and things. Things that the whole world should care about. But currently, we kind of see this station as a thing that was designed, certainly from a UK context, you see it as a thing that was designed 100 odd years ago. And it's kind of locked in stone and there happens to be Wi-Fi there, but that's, you know, they, they, these are things that can't be touched. It's really interesting that that kind of thought leadership the Bolden are doing to say, yep, we're going to start with stations that are there. Yep, Wi-Fi and 5G is an enabler of all of this, but there's a load of stuff we could do that would help people move through the city in a whole new way. I think that the the thing that's really, that I'm really impressed of what, what Bolden are doing, and this sounds like a love-in for them now, but they are... Think they they went with let's understand passengers first, but then they went right. Actually, that has an impact on operators. What can we do with retailers or commercial third parties that depend on stations? Um, I always come back to WH Smith because that's all the the only place they ever seem to be nowadays. Um, what does it mean to the cities themselves and how they develop areas around stations? What does it mean to real estate owners who might own stations? And then now they're starting to get into. If we do this right, we have to understand people who don't take the train as it stands. We actually have to understand car drivers. So how do you get a better understanding of why people don't take the train? And what can we do to make it more interesting and attractive to them or easier for them? And then you do that, you end up drawing more people to the railway. Um, so I think that there's a really interesting take that they've had on it. And lots of the ideas that they've had, either they can't do themselves or might be even be done by a competitor. Um, but if you do it right, all ships rise with the tide and you can build really interesting things on top of it. Um, so there's something really interesting in that approach. And like we both hope more companies follow that, but they've been a kind of pioneer of it. So they've done the white paper so far, but we'll have like conversations coming out and clips coming out around... Um, stations as well as connected transit as a as a broader topic. Yeah, and I think the the thing that will be interesting is I think lots of people listening to this will not necessarily be uh, transport people. Next week, World Passenger Festival is very much going into the heart of uh, the transport people thing. So we'll, we'll we'll see what conversation it is, what conversations it sparks. Um, and for those of you that aren't going to talk, we'll put the link to the white paper in 
comments. For those of you who aren't going to read that, I might wait for the podcast series. Ask me about the only piece of futurism or white paper that includes both quite as kind of hopeful content on sustainability by we move through cities and a section that's genuinely about toilet maintenance and the, <laughs> the impact of these things. So like, you know, that's a, that's a weird level uh, category to, for, for it to be in. It would it wouldn't it wouldn't be quite right with like our client is obsessed with the idea of if there's nowhere to put your bag when you go use a public convenience then the station has failed so um but my bugbear is if there's nowhere to put your laptop or open your laptop when a place has put Wi-Fi in the place has failed so yeah there's some there's some sort of niche niche irritant uh points in there that uh, so it's, it's very kind of uh entrepreneurial obvious. this station i need to be able to work at it i must be able to send email this is uh... I, i'm mostly in it so okay so the, the, we're talking about the conference overall this year it's in vienna last time it was in amsterdam uh vienna have you been before again i have right. a long time ago i was still a student but the thing i'm really interested about vienna is you know those like most livable cities in the world indexes it's vienna is always top for some reason you have like vancouver and calgary i've never quite got that and then you have melbourne thrown in there as well but like vienna is the place that's all and copenhagen as well i suppose but vienna's always presented as this urbanist utopia um so i'm quite interested of to spend a bit more time there when i'm not a student i actually might have some money to buy lunch um so I think as a city, it's a really interesting place to host it. I've been to Vienna quite a few times. And one of the things I'm always thrown by is how very smart people can ride bikes in it. Because everyone rides bikes in Amsterdam, but they're always quite kind of hipster. You know, it's kind of like uh, not guys in suits. But you see a lot of that in Vienna. It's like how, how you manage to carry that off is, is always a thing that, thing that throws me. Uh, and whereas in the past, I've mostly been there for events talking about media type things. Because there, there was a lot of music events and things in there. But... Uh, this time it is good to go there for a transport event because the one of the best things i always think you can do in vienna is to get the tram weirdly because it's like it just goes through the city it's a picturesque place there's lots of interesting things to see off the side of it so i presume that there'll be tram people i can get okay you know people we can geek out about trams while on the tram this time but it's a genuinely good thing to do i think one you'll be able to do that and two i'm learning that you like a city with a tram because not only can i hear the tram when we do recordings outside your office in edinburgh but you love Lisbon, and you, you've made that same point to me about Lisbon. And we're going there in November, so yeah, I'm just you're you're a tram nerd, aren't you? I probably do quite like trams uh, because you don't have to go underground; you can see the place. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good thing. I mean, Vienna is a lot bigger than Lisbon as well, so you do actually need a tram. Lisbon, I feel like you could almost walk, but um, yeah. the save you the hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. That is true. But I think the lack of hills. Is maybe the reason why you can stylishly ride a bike in Vienna. It's quite flat, so I think that maybe that may be the reason that these guys are able to carry that off. Um, so, uh, so actually, so in terms of we've got all we've got the new things we're excited about, got things around Vienna. The team will be for those of you who are listening to this and are going to be there. The team are recording on the conference floor, uh, so we'll be in the exhibition hall, but we'll also be um, recording at various places around the event. Um, and we'll be sharing some of that through our social media pages afterwards. Um, and it would be, we've got quite a full diary, but if there are interesting things you're working on or interesting people in your team that we should meet, we would still be up for meeting them, I think is right in saying, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's thing. like 
they will will be doing like a little bit of a special episode for for bolding with some like vignettes of people. But I think like last last time I was at this event, um, one of my favorite people was um, visually impaired and was telling the story of like how challenging it can be. But he turned the lights off in the in the conference venue when doing it, and then they they moved the chairs around and people were bumping into chairs and it was like this whole oh this this guy has to deal with this on a daily basis but I noticed that he's back I think his company's called Good Maps um, but like we want to go and spend some time with people who have really interesting solutions like that and um, and record some great content with them yeah I think that would be that would be a good, a good goal for the whole time uh, good okay so we're Sony um, as I was saying next week we can record this probably in a few days time when people when people hear this um and as ever you can get in touch with us on every social media channel under the sun but we will be using the event hashtag which last year was very long it was like world passion the festival i don't know if this year they managed to get it to wpf or something because it was just basically my thumbs got sore last time and i was trying to like tweet from it so <laughs> that's my one bit of feedback if terrapin are listening to this a one bit of feedback is it's a good name we like the passenger thing but it probably needs a shorter hashtag. We like the festival thing, but yes, shorter hashtags. <laughs> so I have the bugbear about station ledgers. Chris has the bugbear about somewhere to put his bag while um, using the bathroom. And your bugbear is long hashtags. So yeah, as long as it should be, should be like a hashtag shortening league that yeah. we can maybe find the best. I like kids. Hashtag HSL. Okay. Because, yeah. That's, sure. that's a, that sure. is the movement you will you will kick off in Vienna. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm glad we end this on a sensible note. So concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast no matter your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com. <laughs>